Do you feel like we need to abolish capitalism? In time, yes. How do we do that and what comes after? I'd like to see it become like a Star Trek utopia. You know, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> Hello, people. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's September 13th, 2023, and this is the part of the show that I normally tell you to subscribe on Rumble and Locals and YouTube, but yesterday we noticed that our, our audio podcast is absolutely blowing up, and I never promote it. I don't put the links anywhere. I never tell you to do it, yet many of you are listening. I always think everyone's watching. A lot of you are listening, so if you have not, uh, and you'd like to, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your audio pleasures. On that note, we will be doing a post-game show, as always, at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, and the theme today is that the whole damn thing seems like it's melting down. But if you've been paying attention for a couple of years, they've been telling us exactly what is going to happen, and it's exactly what's happening right now. We're gonna go backwards a little bit uh, to one of the things that I missed when I was off the grid in August, which is uh, the massive disaster, the horrific fire that uh, occurred in Maui in Hawaii. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the Biden administration reaction to that. And I'm gonna link that to some of the other things happening with the administration right now. And you just kind of wonder, are all of the missteps, are all of the confusions, the money spent in the wrong way, are these mistakes, missteps, or are they intentional? I have a feeling you know which one I think. Uh, we're also gonna talk about what they've done with Ukraine and now what they're doing with Iran, unloading a lot of money to them, about six bill, uh, and the general lunacy of the Dems and the ineptitude of the Republicans. And the theme, really, if I was to tie it all together, something from the WEF, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Perhaps we can stop them. Uh, before we get to all that, let me talk to you guys about Birch Gold. Guys, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like this are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, and you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. And you know what they're buying? You guessed it, gold. Follow their lead. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Birch Gold can help you protect your savings too. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave, birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so again, I'm gonna link the Maui fires and the response, Ukraine and the response, Iran and the response and a couple other things and the response which lead us now all to this uh, potential impeachment of Joe Biden, although they don't have the Senate, so it probably ain't gonna happen, but we'll talk about that too. Uh, I'm gonna link all these things together today, but I wanna back up a little bit uh, and review what happened in Maui in the first place. This is from Fox News. Authorities said the catastrophic wildfires that slept, 
that swept through Lahania claimed at least 115 lives, making it the deadliest wildfire in the U.S. in more than a century. Officials have publicly, publicly released the identities of 50 people who were found dead, and five others were identified, but their names have not been released because next of kin have not yet been notified. The remaining dead are unidentified. Of the living, 12,000 town residents are now staying in hotels and short-term vacation rentals as the Biden administration and Hawaii officials lead recovery efforts. Rebuilding is expected to take years and cost billions. In the immediate aftermath of the fire, more than 1,000 people were believed to be missing based on reports from family, friends, or acquaintances. Officials narrowed that list down to 388 who were credibly considered missing and released that list last week. Okay, you will see why I am bringing this up again. Of course, in and of itself, it's worth bringing up again because it was a, it was a horrific tragedy on American soil. Yes, uh, Hawaii is American soil. We have had a really bad tracker as of late uh, when it comes to the federal government helping people in times of need. Just look at East Palestine. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard, who is the former congresswoman from Hawaii, uh, no longer a Democrat, no longer a congresswoman, uh, she went on Joe Rogan a couple days ago to talk about what the administration's reaction and response has been to the residents of Hawaii. It's happened two or three times now where the Pentagon has said, oh, we miscalculated how much money we had set aside for Ukraine, so we have an extra $4 billion to send now that we didn't know we had. And this has happened a few times. Secretary of State Tony Blinken went to Kiev yesterday promising, hey, we're going to give you another billion now. And this is the thing. When I was out there in Maui, person after person was like, Tulsi, tell me what would happen if we started to call ourselves Ukraine? You think they would give us some money then mm. to take care of our families, right. to put, to <laughs> fix our roofs? You know, yeah. that, that have been torn up by the hurricane winds that came through to make sure we have clean water to drink. You think they might pay attention to us then? And then the and then FEMA comes out. The FEMA director comes out and does this press conference. I think it was at the White House. And she says, well, someone said, well, what are you doing for Maui? She's like, oh, we're giving a one time seven hundred dollar payment to everybody who's been impacted by the wildfire. A one time seven hundred dollar payment. It's insane. Hawaii has the highest cost of living in the entire country, the entire country. And how freaking insulting is it to have the repres the lead disaster response administrator from the Biden administration stand there and proudly say, hey, we're giving everybody one seven hundred dollar payment. It's insane. Tulsi, who's pretty even keeled, I mean, she is pissed and rightly so. And the people of Maui are pissed and rightly so. Uh, and you can see she's linking that to something that has become, I think, pretty uh, a pretty consistent theme amongst many Americans these days. What is our government doing for us while it is seemingly is doing an awful lot for the people of Ukraine and people of all over the world? Now, people might have problems all over the world. Is it always on us to help them? That's one question. And can we always help everybody? Should we always help everybody? And are we doing it at the expense of our own citizens? And she's also bringing up a really interesting point, and we covered it. I think it was back in July. It has happened more than once where there was an accounting error. Remember that one that she's referencing? There was an accounting error and the State Department was like, oh, we actually didn't give them. It was We were supposed to give them an extra four bill, but we're giving these residents $700 each. So what really is going on in Hawaii right now, Rogan continued. 
Bro, what's going on in Maui right now is so sad. Bro. What, what, what did they say? What's going on? They're trying to take the fucking land. Yep. The state is trying to take the land. The governor came out right after the tragedy saying we're looking to see if we can acquire the land and build a memorial. What? Now, imagine all these. And then uh, also, you know what they got from the Biden administration? A one-time payment of $700. It's and all the money we send to Ukraine, not just that. Why can't get? We shit? talked about it on the podcast. The amount of money it would cost to rebuild all those homes that burnt is five billion, and the amount that they accidentally oversent to Ukraine was six billion. Hell no! Accidentally, right? And accidentally, accidentally sent them six bill once. I think there was another four bill once. Uh, you get the point. We seemingly always have our eye off the ball. Why is it that our federal government refuses to help? Americans and wants to help everybody else. I have a little bit more on this from the Daily Wire uh, responding to what Joe Rogan said. Rogan was responding to a news clip of Green who told Hawaii's KHON2 News about his plans for preserving Lahania. I'm already looking for ways for the state to acquire that land so we can put into workforce housing, we can put it back into families or make it open spaces in perpetuity as a memorial for the people who were lost. Green later clarified that the goal was to prevent wealthy people from overseas from coming in and snapping up the land, which was why he had suggested the state should take it and preserve it first. Look, whether the intention is to stop foreigners from buying that land or whatever the intention is, the average person in Maui is, is getting the shaft right now more and more people are realizing it, and it's worth it, even though Hawaii uh, is not part of mainland America, it is worth it as Americans to understand what our federal government is doing to our fellow citizens. But it's not just Hawaii that there is this bizarre uh, situation where the government doesn't wanna help Americans and wants to help other people. The big one of these, of course, is Ukraine. So we covered the story yesterday about how uh, Jake Tapper had Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on and they were very upset. Uh, Jake wanted to know if there should be any repercussions for Elon Musk because he wasn't letting the United States do, uh, government do whatever it wanted with Starlink related to the war. And Elon happens to be a bit more of an isolationist, doesn't want to go into World War III. He's made that point very clear. Uh, well, yesterday was the All In Podcast Summit they brought Elon in via Skype to explain a bit more about his thinking when it came to letting the government use Starlink or not use Starlink. At the time this happened, the uh, region around Crimea um, was actually turned off. Now, the reason it was turned off was, actually originally it was because the United States has sanctions against Russia um, and we're not allowed to actually, and that includes Crimea in the sanctions. <laughs> And we're not allowed to actually turn on uh, connectivity to a sanctioned country without explicit government approval, um, which we did not have from the U.S. government. So, um, so, so basically, the uh, uh, you know Ukraine didn't, they didn't, they didn't give us any any advance warning or heads up or anything. Um, but we just got the the sort of uh, urgent calls from the Ukrainian government saying that we needed to turn on Crimea. It's like in the middle of the night, basically. <laughs> we're like, what are you talking about? You know, are we you lost? <laughs> What's it for? <laughs> um, you know, and, and then, you know, we, we basically um, figured out that this was kind of like a Pearl Harbor type attack on um, Sebastopol, on the Russian fleet in Sebastopol. 
So they're really asking us for, to, to really proactively take part in a major act of war. Um, and, um, you know, while we have, so, so certainly have huge support for the Ukrainian government, um, the Ukrainian government is not in charge of U.S. Uh, people or companies. Uh, it's the last line. It's the line that the people applauded for, right? He's saying, he's saying he, he says we, we support the Ukrainian people, uh, but th they're not in charge of America. The question is who is in charge of America at this point? Because America uh, as a government, the American government doesn't seem to care much about the American people and they wanna force private citizens to use their own technology as they see fit. And he did not want to create a Pearl Harbor uh, situation. So let's continue. So we've been to Maui, we've been to Ukraine. Uh, let, let's now talk about what's going on with Iran. We've got some info here from Fox News. The Biden administration has struck a deal with Iran to swap prisoners and release $6 billion in frozen Iranian funds. Per the deal, Iran will release five American citizens detained in Iran and the U.S. release five Iranian citizens being held in the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken signed off on the deal late last week, but Congress was not notified of the decision until Monday, the, Monday, the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, according to the notification, which was attained, uh, obtained by the AP. National Security Council spokesperson Adrian Watson said Secretary Blinken undertook a procedural step last week to ensure Iranian funds could move from one restricted account to another and remain restricted to humanitarian trade. Ah, okay, so these funds are being released and they're supposed to be for humanitarian purposes. Now, there's also this issue about this being done on 9-11 when it is well known that Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism throughout the world. So doing it on 9-11, but again, our government just does everything. It, it's almost, it's so incredible that it has to be by design. Everything they seemingly do, oh, your village burned down, your city burned down, your house burned down, here's a $700 check. We're giving six bill to the Ukrainians. Oh, you as a private citizen didn't give us the technology you want, we're gonna suddenly look into all of your businesses. Oh, 3,000 people died in the worst terrorist attack on American soil. On the anniversary of that thing, we're gonna release $6 billion to the number one state sponsor of terrorism. It's incredible what they do. But anyway, the whole point of this was that we were releasing this money so it would be used for humanitarian purposes. Well, here's the Iranian president uh, on what they plan on doing with that money. Do you believe you have the right to use that money in any way that you see fit? This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, sp to spend it wherever uh, we need it. How to spend our money, of course, it is under the authority of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So if I hear you clearly that it will be used for more than humanitarian purposes in your view. Humanitarian means whatever the Iranian people need. I don't know how often I'm going to say it on this show. I don't know that I've ever said it before, but like I kind of agree with the president of Iran. Yeah, we got the cash. We're going to do whatever we want with it. And it's so it's such a perfect example of everything that our government does. We cut deals with people, environmental, climate deals, 
nuclear deals, cash deals, and then eh, whatever happens, happens. We signed a piece of paper. You said you weren't going to do anything bad with any of this stuff. Like, obviously, they got the six bill, and they can say, you know, oh, well, anything counts as humanitarian. Sure, if we're going to put four billion of that into missiles, interballistic missiles, that intercontinental ballistic missiles that can, you know, go over to London. Well, you know, it was for behalf of our people. So where does this all lead us? Well, one day after we released the six bill to Iran, uh, Kevin McCarthy has officially announced an inquiry into impeaching Joe Biden over his corrupt overseas business dealings on behalf of his son, the artist and crack smoker Hunter Biden. Uh, here is Kevin McCarthy announcing the inquiry. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the president would want to answer these questions and allegations. Okay, so let me just say, broadly speaking, we know that the Democrats have the Senate and also have the VP if there was ever a tie, if it came to something like that. So Joe Biden is not going to step down because of an impeachment, right? He's not gonna be impeached and have to leave the office of the presidency. Uh, however, what this could do, I think, is there's there's a couple things I think you could argue. One, you could argue that so many of us, let's say on the in the online world, you guys that get your news not from mainstream media, but you get it here and, uh, and other, podcasts like this and that sort of thing. Uh, you've been hearing about the Hunter Biden laptop. You've been hearing about the 10% to the big guy and all of those things. And it smells like a rat, right? But this has only existed in our little bubble. You hear about it now on Twitter because Elon has made it more of a, a free speech zone, but you're not hearing about this on CNN or on Facebook probably or wherever they can still censor things. So on one hand, I think you can argue McCarthy's doing the right thing here because just by going for the impeachment inquiry, whether it leads to impeachment or not, and it will not, uh, you're shining a light on it so more and more people will have to pay attention to the corruption. So to that end, I think it makes sense. The part, of course, that doesn't make sense if you're just looking at it purely in a functional way is they just simply will never have the numbers because they don't have the Senate to make it happen. But one of the things that the media is going to do very heavily is try to completely dismiss this thing and just say there's absolutely nothing here, it's the crazy, radical MAGA Republicans and all that, when we know how did Joe Biden become so rich being a public servant for all of these years? Why did Hunter Biden have a job for 80 grand a month working at a Ukrainian energy when he was a crack smoking porn addict? Like any of these things, and, and there's a whole bunch more. We have emails talking about the 10% and everything else, okay? Uh, but the media is going to go out of its way to hide this thing. Uh, this is uh, Congressman Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, a Republican, explaining exactly why the Republicans are doing what they're doing. Yes, ma'am. Can I ask, what actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you? Oh, I don't know. McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge. Uh, this isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see, ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. 
Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, or the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. People can't see that. They think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on it. Yeah. I, I don't know who that reporter was, but like, oh, the people don't see that. Yeah, he's right. You guys don't report on it. It's a, isn't, doesn't it feel like the whole thing is like bursting forth right now? And I don't know how the machine always stays one step ahead, but it will on this thing too. But it's like, there are the wire transfers, the Ukrainian prosecutor who got fired, right? Who, as uh, Perry just pointed out, he was looking in to the Biden family. Uh, we have, uh, Phoenix has given me some information on the fly here. Uh, he's given me, there, below is a summary of the third bank records memorandum. The full man memorandum can be found here. Committee staff is releasing payments from Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine that occurred during Joe Biden's vice presidency. The committee now has identified over 20 million in payments from foreign sources to the Biden family and their business associates. Sorry if I butchered that a little bit, but okay. So they have over $20 million in wiring funds to the Biden family over the years that he was vice president. Why? His son was a crack addict working at an energy company. Did it have anything to do with the fact that his dad was the vice president? So there's money laundering, there's undue influence, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. But, you know, if you're a reporter, oh, it just seems like retribution. You Republicans are pouncing on everything. Here's a journalist who got John Fetterman out of the mental institution to respond to the whole thing. Ask you about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry. Has said he's going to. Oh my God! Really? Oh my gosh! You know? Oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh! Don't do it! Please don't do it! Oh no! Oh no! The fact that anyone voted for him, like we deserve whatever we're getting right now. We really do with, with Joe Biden as president and the rest of this clown car of Democrats and, and mostly ineffectual Republicans. Maybe we deserve all of this stuff like that guy. And also the, the aides for all of these people that push them along and pull them along and we've got to go and, uh oh, don't let Fetterman talk. And all right, whatever. Chuck Schumer. Uh, well, he's uh, very upset about the impeachment. Um, this is more about the mean Republicans. Here you have a group of Republicans, not all, but too many, who are off the deep end. We have a Republican senator who's holding up all our military appointments, and now we have a group of Republicans, and McCarthy seems to let them go along, that want to go through the absurdity of impeaching a president when we have so many other things we have to get done. <laughs> it's irony completely dead. The absurdity of of impeaching a president, we have other things to get done. You morons did it twice, one time when he was on the way out, and, you're mo and you mostly were impeaching him for things that Joe Biden did. But here's Schumer way back when, when Trump was being impeached. This is a time of emergency. McConnell claims he needs unanimous consent, the agreement of all 100 senators, but it's not so. I've asked him, to call the Senate back. All he needs is my agreement, I'm still minority leader, and his agreement, he's majority leader. And we could come back ASAP, 
and vote to convict Donald Trump and get him out of office now before any further damage is done. Who's off the deep end again? I mean, oh my God. But look, Republicans, whether you think it can work or not, as I said, it shines some light. It probably doesn't get through the Senate. You can talk about all the strategy and, and all of that stuff. There obviously is legitimate corruption here with the Biden administration, like, like serious, legit stuff. I, I think that is, you cannot argue that, although they will argue it and mostly censor you if you argue it and you know call you a racist or something like that. But the real corruption here, uh, which not only is the Biden family, is coming directly out of the DNC and the mainstream media and all of their cohorts. So the other guy running for president as a Democrat, as you know, is RFK Jr. And every time he says something that makes sense or he gets some traction or his numbers go up in the polls, the Democrats are doing everything they can to take this guy out, including changing the rules in real time about how their primary process works. Uh, this is RFK Jr. on the Tim Dillon podcast explaining how the Democrats right now are going out of their way to rig their own primary. One of the things they've done is they've made it so that um, any vote that I get in Iowa or New Hampshire uh, will count for Biden. And that, and they're trying to do the same thing now in Georgia. They're trying. They, How they're, are they doing that? Well, they're passing a rule that if you, any candidate who steps into the state of New Hampshire, or Iowa to campaign, um, will lose all their delegates. And, um, and so I've campaigned in both states, so I right. lose their delegates. But now what they're trying to do is, is and they, we're going to know on September 14th whether they actually do it, is they're trying to pass another rule that if you step foot in New Hampshire or Iowa, that any vote you get in, New, in Georgia, which is a big, big delegate state, um, will also uh, count for the president and not for... Um, you know, so they're basically disenfranchising everybody in those states. So yeah. there's no campaign. And they're talking about this idea of making myself and Marianne Williamson, who's the other Democratic candidate, to pay for all the primaries yeah. ourselves. You really need to understand how corrupt the Democrats are. Just ask Bernie Sanders about it one day. Um, the idea that if you step foot in one of these places, Iowa or New Hampshire, you're you're candidacy is basically a race. Now you go, well, how does that make sense? Why would they do that? Well, they are doing it because they know that Joe Biden, because of name recognition and being the incumbent, he doesn't have to run. Last time he ran a basement campaign. We all know that he barely went anywhere. So RFK, he wants to be out there. Marianne Williams, and no one's gonna vote for her, but she wants to be out there. They wanna be on the ground meeting people, drumming up grassroots support. That's what you're supposed to do as a candidate. And the DNC, the, the party itself is saying, if you show up in this state, if you share your ideas with our voters, we will disqualify you. And the crazy part was the Georgia thing. So it's one thing they're saying, if you show up in Iowa, your Iowa votes aren't gonna count. And if you show up in New Hampshire, your New Hampshire votes aren't count. Now they're trying to pass this thing. If you show up in either one of those places, your Georgia votes aren't gonna count. These people are so, freaking corrupt, and you will not hear about this on MSNBC, and you will not hear about it on CNN or in Washington Post or the New York Times or anywhere else. RFK explained it uh, just a bit more, and I thought he unpacks it in a nice way. It's worth reiterating. 
DNC does not want a primary. They're effectively disenfranchising the Democratic voters from having any choice in who becomes the Democratic nominee. So two of the things they've done today, they've made rules that if any candidate sets foot in the state of Iowa or sets foot in the state of New Hampshire, that none of the votes that are cast for that candidate will be tallied. In other words, any delegate that I win in New Hampshire or Iowa would go instead to the president. And now they're trying to change it so that if I campaign in New Hampshire, that none of the votes cast for me in Georgia will count. And that's significant because it's hard to win the nomination without Georgia. If you add up all the superdelegates that they control and all of the automatic delegates that just go to the party and go to the president, I would have to win almost 80% of all of the states in order to beat President Biden, even if he only wins 20%. You know, we live at a time in American history when a lot of Americans think that democracy is broken, that the political system is rigged, and that there's not really any democracy. And unfortunately, the DNC is taking a lot of steps that, uh, that confirm uh, that outlook. You know, you guys know, I often say you don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. You can say what you want about the Republicans, but when the Republicans had their insurgent candidate in 2016, 2015, actually running, Donald Trump, they, the RNC itself did not do any tricks to stop him. They had candidates that went up there and tried to beat him and he took out Marco Rubio and he took out Chris Christie and Jeb and everybody else. But the, the machinery of the party they went along with what the Republican base wanted. The DNC, whether you think RFK could actually beat Joe Biden or not, like he probably can't just because of name recognition alone and the power of the presidency and incumbency and all that, but the machine itself is going out of its way to say, screw you Democrats, the DNC, D stands for Democrat. They don't like their own voters and they don't respect their own voters. So you really need to understand this, like this move by the Democrats against RFK, it's the tip of the iceberg, because if they're coming for your election and upending that, then at that point, what can't they do to you? They can pretty much do anything. They can come for your constitution, they can come for your freedom, they can come for your property. And as Klaus Schwab over at the WEF often likes to say, you will own nothing and be happy. So Chuck Schumer, who has gone off the deep end? would like to offer you a mirror, and I would also like to offer one to the governor of New Mexico, because you know this story, there was this shooting in New Mexico, and then uh, Governor Lujan Grisham, Lujan Grisham, uh, she basically said she can suspend the Constitution, that people can't have, uh, people can't carry their guns, and blah, 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 it's, it's so insane, it's like, how do I even have to tell this story? Here she is uh, trying to defend her decision. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception, and that is if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate 
about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, you're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are their rights? I got it. But, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? This woman is absolutely incredible. Like That guy was an actual journalist. There are laws against those things, lady, right? You're not allowed to shoot people. We already have laws, so you can't suspend constitutionally guaranteed, constitutionally protected rights for an emergency. She actually sounds like Palpatine in the prequels, right? I love democracy. These powers you've granted me, I shall put down when the emergency's ended. Why don't you ask Obi-Wan Kenobi how that worked out? Not well, not well. Anyway, here she is continuing to defend her, let's just say, not so strong legal footing on suspending one of our constitutionally guaranteed rights. But we also have, Governor, the Constitution of, the, of New Mexico and the Constitution of the United States, and you're an attorney. Do you think you're on solid constitutional ground here? Well, um, we're going to see. I mean, look, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I had the right. I have the but right. Where is the right? Where is the in right? In the state of New Mexico, public health, it's a suspension. It's not a ban. And we'll see what all of these court actions do. It's a suspension, not a ban. It's just like this temporary thing, like two weeks to stop the spread. Oh, Fourth Amendment right to peaceably assemble. Oh, well, for two years, we kind of didn't have that. Now, as I pointed out yesterday, the part, the like cynical version of all of this is she can get away with anything unless they stop her from getting away with it. We can have guaranteed rights, but they only work. The laws that we have only work if we defend them. But if enough people don't defend them, oh, well, they told us to stay in our house again. They told us to wear masks again. They told us we can't have guns again. Like it only works if we believe in the system, right? That was just a line from, uh, that's Padme in the prequels also. Um, but this is what they are doing. And guys, guess what? It's not just happening in America. This is a, this is a, I would say a broad left-wing agenda that is happening all over the globe right now. So let's go to Canada, which used to be a, a fairly peaceful type of country. It was cold up there and they were funny and they liked poutine, but they didn't, uh, they didn't make waves. That all changed obviously with COVID. And now Justin Trudeau, who Jordan Peterson often says, the man simply cannot say one statement of truth, okay? He has brought in a new chief public health officer. Uh, his name is Teresa Tam. Uh, he is also a woman. <laughs> I can't take it, I can't take it. I need to start, we see, we, we were gonna have booze back there when we redesigned the studio. And I, I guess really the reason I couldn't do it, I had originally said, well, if I go on all these cable news shows, it's like if we have booze behind me, the show doesn't look serious or something, it's not professional. But really, I think the reason was I'd be getting up every five minutes just to be drinking when I was talking about these people. Anyway, this, this man dressed up as a woman is now the chief, what is it? The chief public health officer in Canada. And he wants to bring back masks. This is literally yesterday. Just 
as a follow-up, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to take note. You're all you're all masking, which is lovely to see, of course, but most government ministers are are not now, most MPs are not, most people on the street are not masking. Is is there any specific guidance on that going forward at, at this point? Yes, Theresa Tam. So um, it is a layer of protection. We hope people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, but for the, all the other um, respiratory pathogens that will be transmitted around this time. So I do think now is the time to get your masks ready if you don't already have them. Um, in our own particular context, we certainly in our area, there's been an uptick in some of the COVID-19 indicators. Uh, for me personally, there, there have been cases around, um, you know, my, even my work colleagues. So uh, that's one of the reasons uh, why we are wearing masks today. Just to be clear, a Chinese man wearing a dress and wearing a mask is telling people three years after this whole charade started to continue wearing masks even though virtually every study says that masks don't work. Do you see how I'm laying out the show for you today? Almost everything coming out of our elected leaders and our Western governments is designed to make us stupid and pathetic and weak and subservient to them. I'm not really having it because I live here in Florida, but Jesus, Freaking mother. Let's go back to December of 2020 and Klaus Schwab. I've uh, referenced him once or twice on the show today. Klaus Schwab, of course, head of the World Economic Forum. This is a giant globalist organization that basically wants a one world government. And that's why so many of these things, it starts in the United States, then it happens in UK, it starts happening in Canada, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, could this all be by design or is this all random and coincidental? Well, Klaus kind of told us. We have now a window of opportunity to create this global reset which we all need. This global reset is necessary because we have seen that our policies which we pursued before the coronavirus struck us, that those policies do not create the necessary inclusion of society necessary for harmonious societal development. And they do not create the sustainability of what we are doing. We have a great opportunity at this moment, like we had after World War II, to have in some way a new beginning in our global cooperation, in globalization, in managing our global affairs. If Philip K. Dick was alive, he would tell you, I cannot write a science fiction story so ridiculous. This character would be so over the top that I can't even put him in my next Total Recall or whatever it might be. It's so insane. I didn't want a global reset. Did you guys want a global reset? How, how are you guys doing in 2019? Every, I mean, it was before you knew me, but besides that, everything was probably fine for you guys. You were doing all right. Everybody was doing just fine. This guy wants to have control of all of us, so we will live in a harmonious society where we will own nothing and be happy. What do you mean, own nothing and be happy, Dave? They couldn't have just been telling us that we won't own anything. How would that make us happy? Well, here's a headline by Danish politician Ida Aukin 
in a 2016 essay for the World Economic Forum, head is Klaus Schwab, and they said it, you will own nothing and be happy. I, for one, like owning stuff. Owning stuff is good. Uh, here's a tweet from the WEF in 2016. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Look at that woman, she's so thrilled. She owns a bunch of shit, but you won't own anything and you will be happy. So now, let's really tie this freaking thing together. We've talked about Maui, we've talked about Iran, we've talked about Ukraine, we've talked about Canada, all of this stuff and nothing seems to kind of be working, right? We've packaged that with them telling us, the WEF telling us that we will own nothing and be happy. Could that be happening right at this very moment? Uh, well, here's RFK Jr. again explaining what's happening uh, with housing right now in America. You're paying maybe 3% interest. Now you're paying 7% interest. The house is three or four or five times expensive and there's no way. Any and then everybody has this experience of knowing somebody who is about to buy a house and then somebody comes in just before they go into escrow. Somebody comes in with a cash offer and snatches out from under them. And this, this is just now a ubiquitous experience. And what's happening is not only are we, are we, you know, suffering inflation from the, the constant wars, $8 trillion on war, $8 trillion that we didn't have on regime change wars since 2002. But we're also, um, you have these three giant companies, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, who own, who all own each other. You know, BlackRock has $10 trillion under management. These are all private equity companies? Yeah, the biggest companies in the world. And they, right. and they are, they own, I think they own 88% uh, of the S&P 500, those three companies, they own 88% of the S&P 500. So they already own everything. And now they've decided they're going to buy every single family home in America. So, um, it, they're on track now to control, to own the uh, to corporate control of 60% of the, of the single family homes in America within six years. So, so you're saying, so when somebody comes in with a cash offer, it's, it's usually from. Yeah, it's an LLC with right. some ambiguous name. A, sh you, a shell corp. Right. That if you, if you follow the, you know, the, the breadcrumbs. It'll go back to, it goes to Black, Black Rock, Rock State Street, Vanguard, Vanguard State Street. Okay, so really think about this for a second. They're telling us and have been telling us for years, you will own nothing and be happy. Now think about what's going on with interest rates right now. So before Biden, during the Trump years, and even before that, we and after the housing bubble, like we had a nice, I don't know, about a decade of extremely low interest rates. And what happens when there are low interest rates? When you can borrow money cheaply, let's say a two or 2.5%. Well, then you can put say 20% down on a house and you pay just a little bit of interest each month and then in essence, and I, I really like this, when I've bought houses over the years, I kind of like paying my mortgage because when you have a low interest rate, in essence, you're paying yourself. Every month that money is going back into your house and you're paying the bank a little something for the, the honor, the favor of lending you the money. Now the banks have gone from 2.5, 3% interest rates. Now we have interest rates that are around 9%. So the average person now, if every month you have to pay 9% on that mortgage, now you're paying an awful lot and suddenly you can't get that mortgage, you can't buy that house and then what happens? You have to end up renting. Renting, you're getting no equity, you're not building wealth over time. Owning something, owning a house or owning a car, but owning property really, 
It's one of the real things that I that I think I did right in my life financially to get things in order, like owning a house. Oh, I own a physical thing and I'm paying myself every month. But now if you're the average person, you can't do that. And so you can see the connection between, oh, if the banks raise interest rates high enough, the average person is like, I can't take out the loan because otherwise I'm just paying the bank every month. It's a crazy amount of money. And then BlackRock and Vanguard and these other companies come in with these shell companies, these LLCs that are kind of, you just don't know who they are, and they just buy the house for cash. And now why would they buy the house for cash? Either they sit there and they let it be empty, which happens, or they then allow it to be rented. Now there's nothing wrong with renting in and of itself. We've all rented, and at the early part of your life, renting before you've accumulated a little cash is fine, but it sort of, if you always stay as a renter, you can kind of never get into the game. So you see how the banks are connected to exactly what BlackRock is doing. So, okay, again, let's do the full circle thing. Where did we start? We started with Maui. So there are these horrific fires. Now the government comes in and what are they trying to do? Well, here's just a shorter portion of that Rogan part we showed you before. They're trying to take the fucking land. Yep. The state is trying to take the land. The governor came out right after the tragedy saying, we're looking to see if we can acquire the land and build a memorial. What? Now imagine all these. And then uh, also, you know what they got from the Biden administration? A one-time payment of $700. One-time payment of 700 bucks. The government's going to come in and take the land. BlackRock Vanguard going to buy all the houses. Do you think that's connected to you will own nothing and you will be happy? So how do we do this? How do we end a show like this? A rather dark, depressing show. Because uh, you know I like to end shows on a positive note. Well, we can complain, we can mock, and we can belittle, and that kind of can be funny. We can do all that stuff, or we can actually find solutions. Uh, I had a response to a tweet that went kind of viral yesterday. I want to show you the original one from uh, Charlie Kirk, who's been on the show many times. Uh, Charlie wrote, it would have been much better had we done nothing in 2020. No lockdowns, no masks, no school closures, no stimulus, no vax mandates. The damage COVID did to our society was minimal. The damage our response to COVID did was cataclysmic, never again. And Charlie is quite right. So I responded and I said, sounds like strong Ron DeSantis support from Charlie as Florida is the only state to ban lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and gain-of-function research. My point, guys, is that although not all of our problems can be solved by the government, that sometimes we elect some leaders who do the right thing, and we still, for however long, have the ability in the United States to move to places that are freer, that are more in line with your values, and the machine will always keep coming, right? The machines in the matrix, they just keep coming. You can get little wins, they will always keep coming and you have to stay alert and aware and fight for your rights and not let the liars and the grifters and the people who will dupe you and take your property and your livelihood, you have to stop them in their tracks. But there are some people and there are some places trying to do it. Second time this week, I would say not our funniest show ever. Did I say anything funny today, anyone? <laughs> you said Fetterman has AIDS. I said Fetterman has AIDS, but I meant he has an aide with him. Yeah. Oh, that, that's the clip that's going to go viral. Dave Rubin says John Fetterman has AIDS.
All right, that was kind of funny. Thank you. We brought it around. All right, we've got a cold close for you. It's connected to the cold open, and we'll see everybody at rubenreport.locals.com in a moment for the post-game show. Adios. I think we should abolish capitalism, but the... How do we do that? The... It won't happen all at once. But gradually, I won't be able to buy anything. <laughs> Together, we can be a force against our shared enemies, fascism, imperialism, racism, and capitalism. Basically all the isms. Does anyone say, hey, can we maybe like not be like, oh, we need to get rid of all of capitalism everywhere? Like, has anyone expressed that? I think that would be a, a shortcut to achieve wider consciousness. It's where do I get a sandwich in your socialist utopia? At the corner store. <laughs> it's a very bizarre question. Sadly, I was kicked out before I could talk to anyone less evasive. Give your credentials, thank you. Unfortunately, it's just how it's gonna be, so. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awfully authoritarian. <laughs> I mean, what? what? No, it's just how it is. You know, we're an abolitionist organization. We don't believe in calling the police, but the hotel has its own kind of procedures for how they handle it. We left before the abolitionists could remove us by force. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.